Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle with my friend Alfonso Rachel, where we try to talk a little bit about something other than the nuts and bolts of politics, a little bit about the sort of vast forces that are at work behind both good <laughs> and bad in this country. Uh, Zoe, I just uh, finished a firewall talking about the biology of fear, mm. because there are clearly people who don't want this pandemic to end. They certainly behave like they don't want it to end. They don't want to take off the mask. They don't want to do any of those things. Mm. And in the course of trying to understand this, I came to the conclusion that the one thing that humans have unique among all the other animals on the earth is not intelligence, it's imagination. Mm -hmm. And I came up with a line I like very much. Fear plus imagination equals worry. Imagination allows us to be afraid of things that aren't here. We can cast fear into the future and fear it in the future, mm. right now, even though it's not really here. So I'd like to talk about imagination today because on one hand, an overactive imagination can lead you to endless torment. If you, are, if you have an overactive imagination and, and your mood is, is not in a great particular place, then the, the power of that imagination does nothing but run in circles all day long, playing movies in your head, showing you the worst possible thing that's going to happen to you. I'm not going to have my rent check, and so I'm going to be out on the gutter, and I can see myself under that freeway bridge with a sign out, you know, and, 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 and we worry about things that haven't happened. So I want to talk about the good side of imagination as well, but let's start with, with this idea of, of the trouble that that uh, uh, um, an imagination that's not disciplined by things like confidence, as we talked about in the last show, or, or optimism or anything else like that. Um, imagination can be a very big enemy of ours. And, and in, in a lot of ways, well, I'll come back to, I'll come back to that in a minute. What's your, what's your first thought on, on the negative idea of imagination? Um, fear in, in imagination, if I can give you another formula, uh, uh, equals money and votes. <laughs> it's, 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 it's lucrative, man. And, and it's, uh, yeah. it's politically expedient. So you're mm -hmm. going to have people who are going to capitalize on these things, man. And they're going to stoke people's fears, whether, uh, any fear you could think of from uh, a pandemic, pandemic control vid, you know, if you want to call it that to, uh, racism, to sexism, you know, uh, classism, you're, you're going to have people who are going to stoke people's fears and imaginations on these things because it translates into money and votes. So unfortunately we're always going to have to deal with this. You know, that's, that's just the way this, it's an industry. It's an enterprise. Uh, when people can, can make money out. And then also it's even between people, it's a competition. You know, uh, people uh, make it a competition out of uh, expressing their fears, uh, expressing the, the fears of their imagination. We have to keep, uh, you know, and, and uh, aside from that, there's people who seek fulfillment in it. Um, you're going to still have these people out there still wearing the mask and they're going to roll it. Why? Because it's something different. It's, it, it, and when I say it's something different, it's something different in the sense of it feels like um, a reset, 
You know, uh, we need this. Or what about like a what about like a war medal? You know, oh, like a yeah. badge of courage yeah. kind of thing. You know, that's good, man. Like I survived. I here's my here's my COVID nineteen ribbon. Yes, yeah, it, it, it's that too. And, and uh, it, if I go back to uh, what you were talking about, uh, um, uh, even with the uh, you know World War Two, the the badge of anticipatory compliance. What you call it? You know, yeah, it, the armband. How 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 when you've been terrorized enough mm. um, by by people that have a gun to your head. Uh, it's a natural reaction to uh, many Jews, uh, in, you know, really in, 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 the, in the camps. Mm. Uh, when they said that you had to do something, they would line up to do it, something degrading. They'd be like first in line to do it. They, it was called anticipatory compliance mm. because they were trying to show these people that had a gun to their head that they were, you know, we're, we're with the program. Yep. We're doing exactly what you tell us to do. And it's another form of, of Stockholm syndrome. Basically. Exactly right. Same thing. And, yeah. and when we see a lot of these people in and we're we're not generalizing, you know, when we say this, you know, or when I say this, I think I speak for both. We're not generalizing. We're not trying to shame anybody or anything like that. But we do know that there is a, a factor of a lot of people out there who do have a sense of Stockholm syndrome as this goes. They're wearing the mask because to show they're with the program. They are, are better people. They, they've convinced themselves that they're looking out for other people's safety and stuff like that. And there are people who, you know, uh, who, who really want to keep this going. Uh, and they have been given over to an imagination. Um, they are given over to their fear uh, as far as this goes when a lot of the, I mean, pretty much a lot of the stats are just showing. It's like, yeah, this, this isn't really as dangerous as it's been played up to be. The fear factor of this has been way played up. Right. You know, that's right. And what did it translate into? It translated into a stolen election. It's translated into something that people should really fear. Your business going under. That's a legitimate fear. Right. Forty <laughs> percent of, of pre-pandemic businesses mm. have gone and are not coming back. Yes, these are small businesses. Now these are legit fears. It's a catastrophe. Right. Now I mean, come, but but dang, Bill, it's, you know we're we're given over to like you know when when we were dealing like a a, a height of a of of terrorism, we were made to think that the thing to be afraid of, the biggest fear, is is climate change. It's like climate change. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to be afraid of, not these these nuts. You know, these re religious zealots who are, who are coming to kill people, that's not what we're supposed to be yep. afraid of. And in yep. this right now, we're being made to be afraid of the, the, of the pandemic over people losing their jobs, you know, businesses going under, people giving over to, to alcoholism, drug addiction, flipping suicide. But the fear is totally misappropriated and given over to this. But right. hey, it translated into a lot of power for some people in in, uh, in office and in certain industries. Let's um let's take another example of imagination that that I think is is not nearly as destructive as the kind we just talked about, but nevertheless, I still think is a is a something to be at least thought about, if not avoided. And if what I'm about to say is goring your ox, I apologize. I don't mean this to sound insulting, but mm. it's just my take on it. Mm. Um. I see people in convenience stores buying lottery tickets mm. and, and I have a bunch of friends who buy lottery tickets. And when I ask them about it and I talk to them about the odds, they say, I know, but it gives me hope. Mm. Hope is essentially you can't live without hope. But the problem is it's a false hope. Mm -hmm. You are not going to win the lottery. <laughs> you're, you're not. And, and, the reason that you think that you've got a chance to win the lottery is because of imagination. I'll give you a great example. There was an actual ad for the California lottery 
which I saw and I thought, this is the most effective anti-lottery ad I've ever seen. Okay. It was a guy, he was a scientist at MIT or something like this, or, or Caltech or something, and he's saying, uh, yeah, I, when I pick seven numbers for the lottery, I pick one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven, because they're as likely to come up as any seven others. Mm. And I thought, that's exactly right. Of course it is. But then I realized, aha, because the numbers are not sequential, your imagination fills in the gap. Mm -hmm. But if I told you to fill out, if you want to win the lottery, put down one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven as your winning lottery numbers, you'd look at me and say, well, it's insane. There's no, there's no way it's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. To which you reply, it's got exactly that, that chance of doing that. And so the, the, the reason the lottery works is because there are gaps between the numbers that come up, right? There's a difference between 32 and 34. And you think, oh. and, and the, the fact that you need seven numbers in sequence, as this guy said, is just as likely as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And when you see that, you realize how unlikely it is, but the genius of the lottery and the reason that the, the lottery works is because by, by making these numbers seem unconnected to each other, it seems like you're more likely to hit it. And, and the main reason I have a problem with the lottery is not that, that many poor people spend a lot of money on the lottery. My problem with the lottery personally is, is when people say, well, it gives me hope. And my, my, my gut level reaction to that is, that is false hope that is taking you away from actions that could actually get you what you want, or at least some of what you want. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I wish I had a new jet ski, you know, and I'm going to go out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the lottery. Well, okay, maybe, but if, you, if, if instead of depending on that act of imagination, so I'm just going to hit this number and it's going to come, maybe that imagination would be better used trying to find a way to, to either improve your, uh, your education so you can be paid more money or find another job or you know, work in a jet ski factory, whatever it takes. There, there, it, it robs you of the... It gives you this false crutch to lean on, and that prevents you from doing the things that you could do, which would end up getting you most of the things you want. And more importantly, you would have earned them, so you wouldn't go through this horrific failure rate that many people who win the lotteries actually go through. Indeed, man. And, and you know, the, and you, you got to ask, well, what gives you hope in what? I reckon hope in winning and and you're hoping for what? What the money? I mean, I thought I thought it was supposed to be the feel-goodism of knowing that all this money um, into buying the lottery ticket was going to help our schools and stuff like that. So the way that works, by the way, is the lottery can say we donated two hundred million dollars to California schools, and that may or may not be true. But if it is true, then that means that the two hundred million dollars that they donated was taken away from education and spent on other things. So it's not like there was this big boost, but I just had to get that out. And you're right, man, because the thing is, and, and that's what you said, like you said, it's false hope. So you got us, if we're looking at how California, like we got the California lottery and we're considering um, education, if this money was supposed to go for that, then hope should be shattered because education isn't stellar here. Okay. So it's like, it doesn't look like that money is really spent. And if it is spent, it doesn't seem to be working. So like I said, it's like, well, what, what is the hope in? And if there, are they hoping in a whole bunch of money? Well, let's get back to the reality of what, what 
infinite hope is, the real hope. Because even on our money, it says in God we trust. That's supposed to be your confidence. That's supposed to be your security. Your security is not in your money. The, The money is supposed to be, because if it is, then you idolize the money. And the Lord tells us, man, the love of money is the root of all evil, the root of all kinds of evil. So you're gonna do the evil of lying to yourself and thinking that money is going to liberate you somehow. It's not, and it, chances are, it's going to end up imprisoning you. So, and I understand that, you know, for, um, you know, a lot of folks, like even for me, you know, to talk about, um, you know, fear and imagination, especially coming from a biblical point of view, it may sound strange because a lot of people think that I, I worship an imaginary God or uh, and the word of God tells us that the beginning of wisdom is fear of him. Right. This, But it's a it's a reverential fear. We're not supposed to live in terror of him if you follow him, even though he says that I will be the terror before it's you. It's more like respect. Yes. Right. So but the thing is, you know, when people want to claim that I have a. Um, this imagination, you know, as a person who's speaking from an imaginary point of view, um, one would have to imagine still that the evidence presented before them is unreal, right? Despite all the evidence, despite the manuscripts, despite the historical findings and all that sort of stuff, despite the testimony, bloody testimonials that we have, it's still going to be lauded that the ideas concerning, you know, God and the person of Jesus Christ is imagination and you have an irrational fear of this person. Um, but once again, the reason why I say all these things is because, you know, when we're talking about fear. It's putting it in a healthy perspective to where people are not given over to. We see a nation more and more becoming godless. God is being more rejected and they're given over to a fear. And God says, I'm not a spirit of fear. I can send you fear, but that's not what I am. I just have command over it. So, but because people are given over to their imaginations concerning fear, more and more, the nation is is crumbling. Will goodness prevail at the end of the day? Of course it will, but it ain't gonna be our goodness. Our goodness comes from some, we don't generate the goodness. The goodness, even whatever goodness that we think that we have, we didn't create it. We're not the ones who designed it. It's going to have to come from somewhere and it has to be accepted that it's to be used. When we use this goodness that's given to us, that's when we will have our uh, our restoration. Okay, now let's switch uh, switch the polarity here. And now let's talk about what uh, this is certainly the way I feel about imagination. I think imagination is a general rule. I always think of it as not only positive, but perhaps the most positive thing we have. Um, this is a unique ability that humans have is the ability to close your eyes and see things that aren't there. Uh, and Western civilization has harnessed the power of imagination in a way that no other society has. And I think the best way I ever heard this was uh, in the book called The Bridge Over the River Kwai, which was made into The Bridge on the River Kwai, which is a a classic movie if you haven't seen it. And so, spoiler alert, (laughs) uh, the movie is based on a true story where a number of British prisoners are captured by the Japanese. They're in a Japanese POW camp out in the middle of nowhere, in the jungle jungle. And the Japanese have an essential railroad line that goes through there. And the bridges that the Japanese built keep coming down because the Japanese go out there and lash some bamboo together and do this and throw some sticks up and so on and and do all these other things. And then then the train goes over a few times and the bridge collapses and they go do it again. But Pierre Boel, the, uh, the, the French author of this, said that the British POWs, in this case meaning Western man, treated this entire 
idea of building a bridge differently. And he said the reason that they did it differently was he said they built the bridge in their mind before they before they built the bridge in the jungle. And they built all of it in their mind. Before they even went out there for the first time, they knew that they would have to know how how much um, weight the, the sandy soil can support. They knew how, they had to figure out how many pieces of lumber of what strength. They had to have a design. They had to figure out what the stresses were going to be. They had to figure out who was going to work on the bridge and in what order. We can't build the top of the bridge before we build the bottom of the bridge. All of the things needed to go out and build this really amazing, essentially perpetual bridge occurred because of the Western ability to build something in your head before you go and build it in the real world. Mm. And that's the power of Unchained Animation. And by the way, I should add this for those of you who may think it seems a little racist. Uh, it's hard to imagine a culture that incorporated that idea more than the Japanese after the surrender and after their, their uh, militaristic overlords were overthrown. The Japanese eventually became, and I mean in a short period of time, became masters mm. of, of this kind of engineering excellence, this idea that we're going to build this thing in our head first. And it's not just a, about a bridge in a jungle. I mean, all of America's hope is predicated on the idea that you should be free to act on your dreams. Use imagination and dreams mm. kind of interchangeably in this way. And it doesn't have to be a particularly glamorous dream. If you drive home from work and you see this abandoned lot on the corner of a street and you say to yourself, I've always wanted to open a dry cleaning business. My grandfather was in the dry cleaning business. I know that if I put a dry cleaning store here, I'm sure I could make money on it. I've been careful with my finances. Let me go to the bank and see if I get a loan. That person, assuming they get the loan, has created wealth out of thin air. There's now something of value here that wasn't there before. Mm. It, it, it's not like he had to take money or resources away from somebody else in order to build his dry cleaning shop. It existed in his head for free. And then he made this vision manifest in the world and he created wealth out of thin air, and maybe he goes and starts a, a dry cleaning chain and ends up employing 100,000 people. This ability to dream about things would seem to be universal, but it's not. Um, my friend Bert Rutan, I can never say that without being like kind of, wow. Mm. But he went to the Soviet Union back when it was the Soviet Union. And he talked to some leading aer aerospace designers because that's what Bert was, an aerodynamic uh, genius. And he talked to a number of these uh, Soviet designers and got to know them well. And they would go drinking afterwards and no, no you know, hard feeling between these guys, the airplane guys. And he asked one of these designers, he said, so tell me about your dreams. And the, and the translator kind of like paused and he translated it directly. And, and, and the, the, the Soviet guy kind of looked at him like, does he want to know like about the nightmares I had or, or you know, he said, no, no, what, it was, what is it you hope to do? And, and he, did, he didn't have an answer because he had never thought about it. Hmm. And that is the essence of, of what the American dream is. The American dream is the ability to live in a country where your imagination is not inhibited by other people's petty desires to control you. And if you have the imagination and the confidence and the skills, not just easy, and the perseverance, all those things. But if you're able to imagine something that didn't exist before, 
This country was always the place where you could make that happen. And to a large degree, that's still true, despite all of the damage that's been done. It's probably easier to start a corporation here in America than anywhere else in the world and, and fail here, too, uh, which is another big part of it. So what do you think about that idea of, of the, the Western mind to see things better than they are? Because... It's not just Africa, it's not South America, it happens in Ukraine, happens in the Urals, it happens all across the world in virtually every other society. You see things like a sewer that runs through the middle of, the, of this village, and that sewer's been there for 200 years, 500 years, and no one does anything about it. They don't do anything about it because their parents didn't do anything about it. It doesn't, it does, it's not that they're not capable of it, it's just that their imaginations are so shackled maybe by the culture or, or whatever, that, that they don't have the ability, I know this term is so overused, but to actually genuinely think outside of this box that we're in. And, and this is a real gift that, that Western society has given to the world, and it's under attack, needless to say. Indeed, man. It's, you know, where we have this freedom to be able to explore our imaginations and, and make them reality and stuff like that. That's that's a that's a gift, you know, of this nation, you know, uh, that this nation is founded of. You know, we, we have this uh, nation that acknowledges our God given right to pursue these things. Um, but you have to have a sense of if it's, you know, if it's useful, practical, moral, you know, because people have these imaginations on, and these innovations on how they're going to do things. You have people who are going to be creative and make something that's uh, very useful to society. And then you have other people who are going to be very creative and imaginative and innovative on how they're going to take the fruits of this person's labor, uh, whether by um, and usually by by state power rather than by power of competition or, or innovation or anything right. like that. So that's really unfortunate. But, you know, we have the freedom to go ahead and, and make these uh, advances to be able to do these things. Um, you know, even when people think of how they're going to do things better or, 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 but how are you going to make these things better? Who, what, what resources are you going to use to make these things better? I see like, uh, in other nations and, and some people have like, um, you know, I, I've seen some, if I, if I, and I hate to throw this word around, I have seen some like racist views on, on how people do things like in terms of mm -hmm. like in Africa, they'll say that, you know, while people were, you know, uh, you know, uh, places were using gunpowder and they were using, uh, you know, uh, other means to be able to hunt and stuff like that, you know, Africans were still like using sticks and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, it's not because these people were too stupid to come up with gunpowder or anything like that. Just like you were talking about, like, you know, uh, with these other innovations that they had, like a sewer system. In some cases, like, well, this sewer system is just the way it is because their parents left into it, their parents. And they may have institutions put in play that keep them from thriving. But in other instances, like, yeah, well, you know, the reason why I still hunt with a stick is because I can. <laughs> it's like if I can That's really true. if I can run down an animal and kill it with a stick, why do I need to complicate things by trying to make something else? If I have the physique, I have the prowess and I have the instinct to be able to go ahead yep. and hunt an animal down with a stick. Well, that's my gift. If you and now, if it was a point of where I needed an innovation to be able to <clears throat> to to use some other agency to be able to hunt, then I would do that. But it's not necessary for me. So you know, but people they, that's as as the saying goes, necessity necessity is the is the uh, or you know is the mother of invention and stuff like that. But if it's mm -hmm. a need, um, but you know, having the the confidence to be able to create something like that, you know, and we all have that 
creative spirit and we want the space to be able to do these things. Mm-hmm. That's something that's 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 written into us. You know, even when we talk about the word of God, the word of God is is in the Greek, it's it's logos. And when you break down the word logos, the word logos, that's where we get the word logic from. He is the logic. It also means the reason. It means the law. I am the one who wrote the laws, those things of, of physics that people discover and how things work. Yeah, I wrote all those. I'm the logic. I'm the logos. I am the word of God. I'm the one who's, I'm the very reason. When we talk about something that was created out of thin air before that there was air. Yeah, I did that. Right? It's like, you know, so we have that wired into us where we're supposed to be able to you know create things that'll be useful to somebody else or, or or a luxury for somebody else or something that uh, that would be cool as long as we don't you know create things to you know we're not supposed to create things to destroy each other with no that's right um so i'll just uh, wrap this up directly for the audience here uh If you're wondering how um, things got this bad and how so many of these core ideas have come under, not only under attack, but but severely been damaged over the course of the last 40 or 50 years, the main weapon that the left has used in order to destroy these safeguards is imagination. And they use that weapon through entertainment. Mm -hmm. Entertainment is the the exercise of the imagination. Uh, When you go into a movie theater in Sherman Oaks at four o'clock in the afternoon, you've got your popcorn and you've got your soda and you're girl is sitting next to you and the movie starts to roll and all of a sudden you're in a uh, in a dungeon in Transylvania in 1827 <laughs> and the monster jumps out from behind the pillar you leap out of your seat people scream you know there's no such thing as vampires you know there's no such thing as as monsters you know you're not in Transylvania you know it's not nighttime but you scream anyway and the reason you do is because when you're being entertained you're your conscience, your, your critical functions of your brain, you, you, the audience member, intentionally put those away. In show business, we call this the willing suspension of disbelief. I'm going to walk into this dark room for 90 minutes, and I am willing to drop my critical facilities and say, yes, I know there's no such thing as vampires, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put that part of my brain away because I want to enjoy the emotional experience. Well, whenever you watch a TV show, whenever you watch a movie, whenever you do any of these things, the rational part of your brain is shut off and those messages go directly into your subconscious. And the reason I bring all this up is because uh, starting very soon, we're going to do a, um, a summer fundraiser and, we're, uh, and a membership drive, really. And we are going to not just talk about how we're going to get into that most powerful of arenas, not going to just talk about how we're going to use imaginations to help recover this country. We're going to show you how we're going to do it. So that's coming. And Zoe and I will be a big part of that. And so will Stephen Scott for that matter. But that's just a few weeks away. So, you know, watch this space. (laughs) Until next time, uh, I'm Bill Whittle here with my friend Alfonso Rachel. This is the Virtue Signal made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com. And we'll see you next time. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in for some Sledge Covers, where I put a sledge edge on songs from back in the day, particularly from the 70s and the 80s. Bell bottoms to parachute pants, baby. If you dig what you hear, you can download all these songs for free, or drop a buck in a guitar case if you like. I wouldn't mind that. You can also check out original 20-pound Sledge Jams, too. You can also download all those for free, or make a donation. Thank you so much for supporting. Links are in the description field. Sledge on!
stop. Okay, song stopped. What's up? Man, I feel kind of silly singing the quad diddly quad quad parts. Really? Yeah. Actually, you know what's really silly, man? What? You in here talking to yourself and posting it online. And playing with yourself, too. I play the instruments myself. Don't get it twisted, pervert. I know you are, but what am I? I'll give you a hint. I'm you. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Want to get back to that silly sing-along, hmm?
Yeah. 